All right, we're back with the Movie Cinema Film Podcast. I'm Leah. your host, Jordan Freed, with your other host, Leah. Leah Russo. That's me. How are you, Jordan? I am good. Me too. I feel weird about having the are you, how are you doing conversation when we've already been potting and hanging out for a while. <laughs> we're doing a double recording tonight. <laughs> Revealing the secrets. Sorry, you guys know how the sausage is made, yeah. and now you'll never eat sausage again. You know, uh, we have busy schedules, so sometimes we record two in one night, and it's helpful because... You know, we don't really have to have the hottest new cutting edge movie coming out. I feel like we're going to do we're going to keep doing 2018 movies for a little while because the Oscars yes are coming up and most of these movies are still very much in the conversation and are still being seen and we want to recommend them to you maybe. But like if you guys want to put in input with what you want us to do episodes on, let us know mm-hmm. because we could do more new films and like watch the crap that's coming out now if you want us to. <laughs> yeah, I think definitely after the Oscars we'll we'll start doing the uh, new releases again. But these are still, you know what? I always realize how obsessed I am with movies because 90% of the movies that I've seen in the past like four or five, six months, people have not, like anyone that I talk to who's not a big movie fan, they have not seen. They're just... Oh, the, same. Like they're completely. It's so funny. I was I posted on our Instagram about First Reformed, how I was like sometimes I'm talking to people and like they haven't seen First Reformed and they don't think about it every day and I'm just like I can't relate because like what are you doing? <laughs> but then I realize some people are not obsessed. Yeah, no, it's weird. We live in a time where everybody's kind of watching whatever they like and there's no like consensus, mm-hmm. which is good because then we get to watch high quality films while people watch crap. Yeah. But also at the same time, like nobody has really seen, like there's no film that everybody's seen, you know, like what's a film that everybody's seen in the last year? Like Black pa- Panther comes close. Black Panther comes close. I feel like Recently, most people have seen A Star is Born, but I know you haven't seen it yet. I know a lot of people who haven't seen A Star is Born. It also, like, wasn't in the theaters that long. It's still in theaters. Is it? Yeah. No, oh, it, 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 maybe it's, I'll see it in theaters tomorrow or something. You, you Honestly, you should. I think it's overhyped, but I still I think it's very good. So. I've heard some people say it's overhyped, and then I've also heard some people be like, how does Bradley Cooper not have a directing nomination? Because the directing is not that good. Well, I don't want to snap. Say <laughs> it's snap. good. Bradley no. Cooper, I still want you on the show. I want you on the show too. I would be thrilled to talk to Bradley Cooper. No, I would. We're straight up only talking about American Hustle if you're on the show. I don't like American Hustle. I know. It's just a, it's just a funny role. <laughs> I enjoy his role in it. I enjoy everybody's roles in that film. I think he was absolutely fantastic in Silver Linings Playbook, which is a film I think is very, very, very not good, but I think he's absolutely amazing. I it. thought it was good when I saw it at first because I was in high school. <laughs> right. <laughs> you were dumb back then. Yes. Well, uh, Bradley, we love you. Come on the show. I actually, this movie made me like Bradley Cooper a lot more than I ever did. I think he Same. 100% deserves the acting nomination. He was fantastic uh, in the part, especially when you consider he's he sang, acted, wrote songs, produced, co-wrote... <laughs> The adapted screenplay and directed, uh, and I'm not. I, I take back saying the direction wasn't very good. It just wasn't my favorite part of the movie. It, it wasn't. It wasn't incredible or anything. So I understand why he didn't get the directing nomination. But it still deserves. I mean, it got nominated for what ten or something? No, no, no. That was the favorite. I don't know. Maybe maybe it did get nominated for ten. I can't remember. But who cares the exact number? It was nominated for a lot, and it's a, it's a great movie. Yeah, I agree. 
even though you haven't seen it. I agree. Jordan is Jordan's on the Bradley Cooper train, so I'll watch any film he's in. Well, except was he in Joy? I saw Joy. Was he in Serena? Selena? Serena? Well, no, no, no. He's what was in that, that film? He's in that new. Oh no, no, that's Matthew McConaughey. But no, he yeah, he was in that movie Serena with Jennifer Lawrence. Another film that just disappeared because it was probably bad, right? Yeah, I think it got shelved. Like it was on the shelf for a few years. That happened they... with the McConaughey film, Sea of Trees. Oh yeah, where he's something to do with the suicide forest. Well, there's that new movie with him and Anne Hathaway called Serenity. Yeah, and everyone's saying it's like so hilariously bad. Oh my god! But it has two. It's funny when there's a. I guess he just has to do the beach bomb. When, yeah, when there's a movie that has two Oscar winners as the two leads and you think, like, what happened here? You know, they've obviously done good work before and why did they agree to do this movie? But it's hard. It's really hard to make a good movie. It's actually more shocking that there aren't more terrible movies because when you think of all the people involved, everything that has to go perfectly right from every little thing from set design to, you know, post-production, editing, everything, it's like, it's pretty amazing when there's when there's so many great movies, you know, like last year. I mean, this year has a lot of good movies, but last year the amount of phenomenal movies was a little overwhelming. That's more shocking than when a movie is bad. But it really does come down to, like, Matthew McConaughey in a lot of ways because that movie gets made because Matthew McConaughey is in it. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was probably one of the first people who signed on to any movie that he's on. Yeah. Well, Anne Hathaway is pretty... Same, same. Yeah. But, like, it's them reading the script and being like, oh, we can make the script work, and then it not working. Mm-hmm. Or the director's just bad, or whatever happens. But, like, it's still, I think, the actors picking good scripts that make the connections work. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I was just talking to somebody about Lakeith Stanfield and just how great of an actor he is and how there's like a brand to like a lot of the stuff that he makes and he's like obviously a really smart dude by like the scripts that he picks Mm -hmm. and like that's why his career has been so good is because he's picking these amazing scripts and he's not going into shitty films yeah there's a lot of actors and actresses that I just trust because they've done so much great work that if I see them in something I just assume oh that must be a really good script that must be a really thoughtful director and all of that and sometimes mm, it doesn't end up as great as you thought but there there are a few people that I always will just rely on but I guess I feel like you lose credibility after a while like Nick Cage is like getting back his credibility now I feel like Nicholas Cage is so interesting to me because he is one of the greatest actors ever I think and lately uh Andy is apparently amazing and people love John Wick is he in John Wick yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, wait, no, that's Keanu. That's Keanu, yeah. Never mind. Well, I mean, I think, like, his performances in Moonstruck, uh, Adaptation. Adaptation is amazing. Yeah, that's one of my top films of all time. I, I almost mean, did that for our last episode. He's, he's, uh, he's, I think he's literally one of the best actors ever to live. Bringing out the dead. It could happen to you. I mean, I love these performances. And he, uh, he does this, these strange chooses these cheesy tacky parts now and i i wonder if it's just because he can't find an adaptation level of movie to work on or something i don't know i would love to ask him that well you should watch mandy because people are saying mandy's amazing yeah i've been meaning yeah thank you for reminding me actually i'm gonna maybe i should write that down because i really want to remember to write uh, to watch that 
Another one who is similar, he's not known for being as cheesy, but John Cusack yeah. is, is one of my all-time favorite actors. I think he's brilliant, and he's been starring in movies for like 30 years, and somehow stay, like he's never been a tabloid, at, like he's never been someone who is like talked about for the wrong things, but in the past five, six or more years, he's been doing these straight-to-DVD Really, really, really shitty movies. A lot of them crime, like really weak, shallow crime dramas. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense because he's so talented and he's one of those actors that has so much nuance and can... He peaked at being John Malkovich. Maybe maybe he did. Maybe that is when he peaked. But even... Um, did you ever see 1408? No. See, that already is like 12 years old. Which I can't believe I'm that old because I remember going to see that. I can't believe you're 12. I can't believe I'm 12. I'm so excited, you guys. I'm finally 12. Uh, That's what I used to say when I would go to bars and people would ask me, like, how how old are you? Like, I'm 12. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, even that that movie, it's a a Stephen King adaptation and it's pretty much a one-man show. It's, It's just him for almost the entire movie. And it's about this hotel room that like 30 people or something have died in, or no, 50 people have died in one way or the other. They either kill themselves or they die or there's a fire or there's something happens in the room. And basically the concept is that it's like a demonic, haunted, evil room. And when you enter it, the spirits or demons or whoever, based on your own personal fears and your own personal insecurities and bad things that have happened in your life, they like torture you with ghosts and hallucinations and whatever and so you end up killing yourself or you start a fire or however you can get out of the room any possible way you will try to get out and so people jump and things like that and so it's basically just him going through this torture for an hour and 40 minutes or whatever it is oh, i'd watch nicholas cage go under some torture well i mean i'm sure he would have been great in it too but i i saw that movie so many times and i thought he, john was so oh wait brilliant. john cusack my bad yeah 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 it's john uh and uh, I mean, what else did he do? He was in he was in this little movie called Grace Is Gone. Sometime around the same time, he did fourteen oh eight, and it was this really tiny indie movie about this man who loses his wife and has to take care of his kids. And he he's he was so brilliant in so many films. There's so many great John Cusack movies. And recently, I just don't know what he's been doing. Like, I want to meet him just so I can say like, what's going on because he made so many great movies i mean he's made he's been in like 50 movies or something i mean probably even more so many great ones in the 80s so many great ones in the 90s 2000s not as many good ones but still like points here and there and now he just does this cheesy terrible shit and there's so many of them but but are they doing well are his like main fan base they're probably not doing well but like the people that those market to like cheesy straight to DVD type stuff. That's going to go on like basic cable on a random network or something. I just don't get it. Cause I know he's smart enough to know. I mean, I, I'm talking like, I know the guy, I don't know the guy, but just from being a fan of him for so long, I feel like he's definitely smart enough. He knows going into these movies that they're not good movies. He's smart enough to know it's a check. Yeah, but is he even? How much is he even getting paid for? Because the budgets cannot be high. It's not like he's getting ten million dollars. But like people like to work. I feel like people take easy movies like that. 
You're right. Just that's... to be like, I'm going to work. I'm going to say the lines. I don't have to work that hard. Like, that's why people do, like, TV. Like, no, CSI, like, NCIS type stuff. Because it's just like, I'm going to come in and say the lines. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm going to get my paycheck. I'm a working actor. You're definitely right. And speaking of Spike Lee, which we're doing Black Klansman, he was in the last Spike Lee movie, She Rock, which obviously, like, didn't do as well as Black Chirac. Klansman. Chirac. Am I saying that wrong? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Duh. Chirac. Um, but yeah, like, so he did that movie and he did Love and Mercy, which I love. Oh, yeah. Love and Mercy was dope. That was another film of substance. But Paul like, Dano. Paul Dano. Fantastic. But in the midst of it, he did all these weird. Okay. The Prince, Reclaim, Dragon Blade, Cell, Arsenal, Blood Money, Singularity, Distorted, River Runs Red. Like all, he's doing so many of these and it's like you're spending your life doing this. Yeah. But yeah, and he did, uh, He you know, he sprinkles in good things like he did The Butler, he did Maps to the Stars, the Cronenberg film. He did this movie with De Niro called The Bagman a few years ago that was, everyone. it got like horrible ratings but I actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. We we got off on a tangent here, but I love uh so peaked in the eighties tangent. Mm, no, because he did being John Malkovich was ninety nine and then he had high fidelity. He had a couple of good I mean good relatively good romantic comedies. He was in that movie Identity, which I really like. That's kind of like a twisty movie. And uh I liked Runaway Jury, I liked the Ice Harvest that he did. Um, he did like like he's done some good movies recently, but it's just a, a, only a few here and there in between these like really crappy movies. And he did oh he did a movie with Nicolas Cage too. <laughs> he did the Frozen Ground, which actually out of all of his like really shitty like well like all of these shitty movies he's done recently, the Frozen Ground was actually not bad, but he played a total monster in it, and it was actually really hard to watch. But anyway. <laughs> Shall we get into our Sorry, topic just, for the day? I just unplugged something. She just unplugged the power. Oh, okay, but we're but back. it's fun. Okay. Um, we're doing undercover movies today in honor of Black Klansmen. Yeah, so if you've never listened to the podcast before, what we do is we review a movie that's currently in theaters, and then we also recommend one movie each that is somehow related to the movie that we're reviewing. So, like themes or something similar so we're doing movies that feature an undercover person right undercover yes. person it's something like that yeah so what's you your film go first? oh jinx well we you didn't say this <laughs> uh, i'm in the process of possibly changing my film as we speak so oh my god i just thought of one so you Under should go first so that okay. um I could listen to you talk as I look for this. All right. And everybody else could listen to you talk, too. Our John Cusack segment is over. And now we are going to talk... Well, okay, the one that I thought of immediately, which I thought was almost too much of an obvious choice, is The Departed. The Departed. The Departed, which is actually a movie that changed my life, but that's probably for another podcast. First of all, if you haven't seen The Departed, just 
immediately shut this off and watch it. It's one of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. But I picked one that I knew that you wouldn't pick and that I don't think most people would pick for this movie because it's not a crime movie. And most people, if you're thinking about going undercover, you're thinking of some kind of crime. What if you're picking the film that I am picking right now? Oh, my God. That would be really funny. Is Drew Barrymore in your movie? No. Okay, then (laughs) it's not (laughs) the same. Not that I know of. Okay. So my movie is a romantic comedy. I guess you call it a romantic comedy. It's called Never Been Kissed. Whoa. Have you seen it? No. So Never Been Kissed is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's a movie I grew up with that I remember very strongly from my childhood, relating to it a lot. So it's about uh, Drew Barrymore plays a 25-year-old newspaper reporter for a major newspaper. I think it's like the Chicago Sun-Times or something like that. And she goes undercover at her former high school because she still looks really young. Like she's the only one on the team that could basically infiltrate a high school. (laughs) So she, I can't remember the reason, but she goes undercover at this high school and there's a lot of flashbacks and you see what a gigantic nerd she was in high school. So she had braces and didn't know how to do her hair and dressed nerdy and was just you know one of those super super passionate people that's considered a dork and she didn't have a fun high school experience at all and so even though this is a job that she's doing she is kind of looking at it as a second chance of having a high school experience like one that she always wanted and it's called never been kissed because she has never been kissed and you know I grew up with this so obviously when I was a child I had never been kissed but I actually I will not reveal the age but I had my first kiss like years after my friends did like years and years so even I really (laughs) so (laughs) I love that so I would watch this movie even like into you know getting later on in my life and I would be like still nothing you know and (laughs) it's just it's really really well written it's just it's very funny it's very sweet the supporting cast is amazing her co-workers are played by john c Riley, molly shannon and Whoa. octavia spencer yeah what uh, a cast they're fantastic and it also has david arquette jessica alba and michael vartan who plays her teacher now it's kind of a controversial movie a little bit because she's 25 but no one at the school knows that everyone thinks she's 17 and her and her teacher, played by Michael Vartan, who's a young teacher, but still her teacher, start to have, like, sparks. And they definitely feel something for each other. She knows that it's not really inappropriate because she knows, obviously, her real age, but he doesn't know her real age, so he's feeling, like, terrible about it. <laughs> and um, they don't really, they don't make any moves, but it's, it's kind of clear. Like, it's, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you know that there's, that there's something going on, but they, you don't say yeah. it. And, of course, like most amazing teen movies in the 90s, it culminates with a big dance. And, you know, everything is revealed. And and, uh, there's this amazing, amazing scene at the end where she admits that she's never been kissed. Yeah. And she feels terrible that she lied to her teacher. It's one of those movies where, again, this was very popular in the 90s, where if you lied in a movie... They had you had to reveal at the end that you lied, yeah. and then the person that you lied to would would be absolutely devastated that you lied. Like there would be no understanding of why you lied. Like there would be no, oh, I get it, you had to lie and you didn't mean to hurt me, but you were in this situation. Yeah. It just kind of happened. No, there would never be any understanding. It was always you lied. I'm never speaking to you again. And so that happens in this movie, <laughs> and by she has to get him back. And so instead of writing about whatever she was supposed to write about, she writes about how 
like what she learned in infiltrating the high school and she writes about him and she's she writes like about how she's going to be waiting for him i don't want to spoil the whole movie for you but she's she's she says she's going to wait for him in a certain place and she wants him to come and kiss her and like the build-up of it is amazing like even though you know what's going to happen i mean obviously this is not even a spoiler you know he's going to kiss her right like it's called never been kissed (laughs) (laughs) you know it's going to happen but i and i've seen it a million times every time i watch it i'm literally sitting there like Oh my god! Like I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, please, please get there. It's like it seems like longer and longer every time. And there's literally a clock running out because she's written this article. So a bunch of people show up to see the kiss, and they play that song, um, "Don't Worry, Baby" <laughs> by the Beach Boys. And it's like just at the perfect moment, the music starts, and it's like, oh my god, I cry every time. It's so, so, so good. And the flashback scenes. If you were not popular in school, like myself and no boys liked you and you know you you were not the cool popular pretty girl or hot guy you will relate to it because they um they show like when she was in high school and she was getting bullied and it's so it's really like i actually hate watching those scenes to this day because they're so well done that it's really really heartbreaking so it's just it just hits all the right points david arquette plays her brother and she pulls him into the school because she he's always been like a really cool guy and she needs someone who's cool to come into the school and tell all the popular kids how cool she is because she can't become popular on her own and so he's also not the appropriate age for high school but he just somehow (laughs) joins the school and so he's he's really funny and really good in it too and the two of them together are awesome and drew barrymore has so much like awkward physical comedy in it she's so funny uh, she has a, a nerdy friend played by Lily Sobieski who's like a super nerd but like in a really unique interesting way like there's at the dance everyone's wearing costumes and she comes as DNA <laughs> it's just like really really intelligently written like it's a very very good 90s teen movie and I highly recommend it weird I think you would like it cool I'll check it out alright what's your movie we're gonna go with I don't know if there is a the. No, there is no the. I'm going with Promised Land. Oh, I haven't seen it. All right. It School is me. a Gus Van Sant movie produced by... Uh, I'm not going to do producers. Written <laughs> written by John Krasinski and Matt Damon. What? Starring John Krasinski and Matt Damon. I didn't know John Krasinski wrote that. Yeah. Okay. So, if you haven't heard of the film, it's basically about an environmental uh, struggle uh, over fracking, which is very timely, as our country is lighting on fire and being decimated and the shores are getting fucked and whatnot. Um. But basically, the film is the struggle between Matt Damon's character who works for the fracking, like, oil gas company and his struggles against John Krasinski, who is an environmental activist. Sounds like he would fit into First Reformed. Skip the next couple of minutes if you want to watch this film soon and you don't want things ruined. Uh, Don't skip everything. Um, but I will make a little bit of a spoiler right now because uh, it has to do with their theme. Uh, so then you find out that at the end of the film, after global 
is not able to like secure the fracking um you find out that the environmental activists or wait wait no 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 my bad i get the end of the film wrong which i guess <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're still listening and you don't want it spoiled um, cuz now i'll tell you all of the possible scenarios for how it ends no the matt damon character succeeds in getting the town to pick up fracking and then he finds out that the John Krasinski character worked for his company the whole time. So it's just basically like the activist was sent out by them so that it would look like there was a fight, but not let them actually win, Mm. which kind of talks about a good message about society right now is how a lot of people with power want to appear as though we have power to change things when they know in reality that they have too much power and money to let us change anything if we actually want to change things. What year was this? 2012. Okay. I missed it. Well, speaking of Gus Van Sant, did you see Don't, Don't Worry, worry he, he Won't Get Far on Foot! One of the best films of the damn year. Oh, preview yeah. of Jordan's top films of the year. I don't know everyone. if it was on my... Uh, I think it did end up on my top, actually. You know, I... If we're doing top 20s, it ended up. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be in my top 20. I I liked that film. I didn't love it, but uh, that scene at the end, which I'm not spoiling anything, but that scene um, with Jonah Hill and Joaquin Phoenix toward the end <sighs> is literally one of the best scenes I've seen in years. Jonah Hill had such a good year. Uh, I, like, I'm kind of glad that he had this year and got almost no award recognition because he was just phenomenal in everything that he did. And, like, I hope people are going to realize how great he is, like, in the coming years. And, like, he has to kind of work harder, yeah. It's better that he didn't because this is what I I was going to say this when we were talking about Bradley Cooper earlier. It's good that he didn't get a Best Director nomination because this is his first time directing and he's getting so much praise. I mean, this movie is huge. Like, A Star is Born is huge. And and he's getting too much praise. Now that he got got knocked down a peg with not getting Best Director, he's going to work even harder next time. He's going to produce something even better. So I feel like it's the same thing with Jonah Hill. Like he's he's warming up. He had a lot of success very young. He got he's already been nominated for multiple Oscars. Also, Jonah Hill is going to go on to write and direct like a dozen more films. I'm like sure. that's what he wants to do. I'm sure. Unless he dies suddenly, he's going to become a director and just keep churning out films every couple of years. I hope so. No, no, no. That's like his goal. That's like what he's going to do. I guess unless they're poor quality and he just has to stop <laughs> by not getting funding. But Yeah, well, I mean, I hope he keeps acting too because that scene at the end of that movie was absolutely phenomenal. Like show-stopping, yes. All right, Promised Land. Anything else you want to throw in about that? No, nah, let's just get into Black Klansman. All right. So. Sorry if you skipped too far, guys. <laughs> and <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> So, uh, again, if you've never listened to the podcast before, we have a section where we talk about the film in general, our opinions without revealing spoilers, and then once we are going to get into spoilers, we'll warn you. So if you haven't seen Black Klansman, feel free to keep listening until we give the warning, and then tune out so you can just watch it and not be spoiled. All right. What did you hear about this film going into it? I heard it was by Spike Lee, which I think is enough. Yeah, I think that is enough to go see a film. I saw the awesome Spike Lee's offices in Fort Greene. I saw his... 
this big gigantic fabric scroll poster of the of the Black Klansman poster when I would walk down the street and I would say I gotta see that goddamn movie that poster looks so cool and you know I mean Spike Lee knows how to make a movie so I also enjoy the cast I never thought that this would be the Chappelle's show character that would get made into a feature <laughs> there needs to be more of those though right like there need there needs to be a movie for every Chappelle show character to be honest oh yeah best sketch show of all time so how would you how did you come to Black Klansman um so yeah Spike Lee I was excited to see it cause it was Spike Lee mm-hmm. uh I didn't watch Chirac um and yeah, Spike Lee is Spike Lee. Like you gotta kind of watch or plan on watching it eventually, or want to watch it because like he just tells unique stories mm-hmm. and tells it in his unique Spike way. Um, but honestly, more so than anything, I'm becoming a huge fan of Adam Driver. Oh my god! And once I saw that he was in this film, I like got very excited to see this film along with it being Spike Lee. Also, Denzel Washington's son. I was like, "All right, I'll John watch this David film. Washington." Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was absolutely great. I mean, I think everything with the Black Student Union to me those were my favorite scenes, and his whole speech obviously is like a very big highlight of that movie. Yeah. Wait, are we going into talking about the film? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I jumped in, guys. Oh, okay, fine. All right. Well, what did you think of Black Coco Hansman? Um, all right. I as a film, I'm like cool. Good film. Spike Lee, you made a film that's a good film and I enjoyed the film. My only issues with Black Klansman really came once I heard about some of the historical context of the film. Okay. And that's when it started to bother me. And some of the tendencies of the actual Ron Stallworth were, like, not as forgiving as they made him out to be in the film. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I get why Spike Lee needs to make people sympathetic. And, like, but there are a lot of plot points that just drove the film mm-hmm. that, like, were fake. Like, the Jewish thing was, like, fake and, like... See, this doesn't... That doesn't bother me. I <sighs> I hear you, though. I hear you. But I don't care about stuff like that when it's a movie because I just think of it as a movie. I don't think of it as a documentary of that it has to be that. And I, I think artistic it, uh, interpretation is is a thing. Like, he was undercover way longer than it seemed in the film. Right, wasn't it, like, and four like years? And, like, people or... arrested and shit like that. So, like, they made him seem super sympathetic when, like, the real-life guy was, like, kind of a bad dude and, like, did get people in trouble who were, like, revolutionaries and, like, people who were trying to change things for the better. So, yeah. like, that's, like, my issue with the film is that they don't include that in there. And it's just like, yeah, watch this film as if it's history. And but it's I don't like, think they're saying that you have to watch it like it's history. But they said this shit is based on a true story. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. <laughs> I guess some like, shit that happened. Even I just don't take things. And, and part of literally. the ending wasn't real, and it was like, I don't know. I think you can just, just don't call it a true story. Well, that's the thing is you can legally say based on a true story, even if you're just using like one plot point from the real story. Well, you, you could get in more trouble the reverse way, right? What do you Almost. mean? 
not saying it's a true story? What do you mean the reverse way? Like, I feel like people are getting away with saying things are true stories when they're not true stories. But, like, the only thing legally that you could get in trouble for is, like, basing something off of a true story. Like, basically plagiarizing a true story and passing it off as fake. And as you created it. Hmm. But, like, you can't get in trouble for writing a true story. Yeah, I, I don't know. I Just in general, when I see based on a true story, I don't expect that it's going to be accurate ever because it, you have because a, a director, a writer, they're always going to do what makes the best movie. They're not going to do what is the most accurate depiction of what actually happened. It's it's just the way that it is. It's like it, people hear about a story or they read a book and it inspires their own interpretation of it so that doesn't bother me i know that it also that also really bothered you with green book which like i said i hear you but i just yeah. don't like i can separate it in my mind where i'm like okay this is a story that's that's based on some true things but is not entirely true i just like don't yeah my big thing is just like people who were involved in the actual story being like oh this is not how it actually happened Mm -hmm. and then it just being like seen as history like 40 years from now because it's like oh this won the oscar like this must be a real thing and like don shirley will go down in history now as like this guy who didn't really know his culture and didn't really have a good relationship with his family as opposed to who he really was Mm -hmm. you know because those are things that are pointed out yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda always talks about this because of Hamilton and how. Um, are, have you listened to Hamilton? Or are you familiar with like the music? Kind of. Well, the a big theme and like lyric in the show is "Who lives, who dies, who tells your story," and it's like, you know, you you might die and and you might leave a legacy, but you have no control over who tells your story or what they say about you. I mean, if you, God forbid, passed away tomorrow, I could tell the story of me being the last person to hang out with you and <laughs> and I could remember certain things about even if I wasn't lying I could remember certain things about this conversation that you that maybe wouldn't be the same things that you would remember because everybody experiences things differently based on their past experiences so like I might pick certain things out about you that I would decide to like talk about and you wouldn't even want me to talk about those things. You would be like, well, why didn't she say this, this and this, but there's nothing you can do about it because you're gone. And yeah. so Lynn manuel is always talking about, you know, th- these things were written in this book because Hamilton, the musical is based on a book about Alexander Hamilton. And it's like the things that are in the book, a lot of them are based on truth. A lot of them are based on his writings and based on facts, but then it's also just an interpretation of it. Yeah. And, and then the musical is an interpretation of that. And like, so many things are just an imper- interpretation of an interpretation and we have no control over anything. I mean, even if you're someone as legendary who did so, who did as many important things as Hamilton, his story is being told night after night by people that never met him and don't have anything to do with his life. And it's, and that's the impression that people are going to leave and they're going to be like, Oh my God, I can't believe, ha- I can't believe how much Hamilton wrote all that stuff. I can't believe he had that affair. I can't believe he did this. I can't believe he did that. And the people that were there might actually be like, oh, it was really nothing like that. If you, if you actually were there, you would know. But how many people were actually there? It is weird how in the digital age, things get blown out of proportion sometimes mm-hmm. that I have like been around 
like over the past like seven or eight years that have felt like they were so big because like they happened in writing online Mm -hmm. like on a facebook wall or on twitter or like on instagram or something and like in reality there was no drama that actually happened in real life besides people being tense and anxious because people were talking about something online Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's really it's really weird the way especially the way things get recorded like everything is recorded and everything is you know like there's going to be in in 20 years or 40 years the people that are running for office there's going to be you know shitty vines of them like yeah (laughs) being assholes or saying something inappropriate it's like the shit that you said when you were 14 hanging out with your buddies is not the shit that you want everybody to hear about when you're running for office but they're going to if you grew up in this era yeah and i hate to say it but we were taught that all through school like i was definitely told that like anything you post is gonna be there forever Mm -hmm. like i guess it kind of sucks yeah and it's like who even remembers because like i was kind of like no like that's not possible like it's not gonna actually be there forever like really like people are gonna get bored like why would people care about stuff that i didn't like elementary school middle school high school you know but people are crazy and will dig the way that in general famous people are scrutinized is crazy like i it's it's just when people take everything that you say so literally and so seriously and you're always at risk of becoming a headline of this person said this incredibly problematic thing and now they're canceled i hate that i hate that whole thing of now they're they're like he's canceled or she's canceled i'm like oh my god do you realize this is a human being like a complex person just like you who sometimes slips up with the things they say and maybe shouldn't be canceled just because they like went off the cuff yeah it used to be like literally take nothing seriously until mm-hmm. it got to the point that too many people got mad at me for not taking things seriously and taking everything literally. Yeah. It's just like, no, like I I just don't I don't know. I like to joke about everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you know? that's the thing too with me is I joke around about a lot of stuff and people, especially if they don't know me that well, they're like, "Whoa, what?" <laughs> and I'm like, mm, "I was just kidding." <laughs> Everyone calm down. Yeah, like anything's fair game in my life. Like I'll make fun of anything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not because I'm like trying to be weird. It's just because that's how I decompress and like process things and feel better about the shitty things in my world. Yeah, I can have a dark sense of humor. I remember at my grandfather's funeral when I was 16, me and my uncle, who was his son, who who loved him so dearly and lived with him up until the end of his life, and my cousin, uh, we all we were laughing so hard at the funeral that people complained, and we were in this like side room and we were we were laughing so much that someone came in and like slammed the door and was like, "You're so disrespectful" or something. But we were instead of you know we already had cried and gone through this whole thing, and instead of like just being miserable the whole time, we were like telling jokes and enjoying each other's company and like talking about old stories with our grandpa and like we were like having fun you know and that that kind of mentality is like how I get through life basically (laughs) because I'm not just gonna cry about everything because then I'll be crying a lot yeah anyway we should probably get back to the film (laughs) yeah so uh the performances were great right yeah for sure I enjoyed them uh obviously Topher Grace 
was in a great role. David Our good Duke. old friend David Duke. Oh, Jesus. From down on Louisiana. David Duke has one of my favorite uh, bios, if I can just read it <laughs> briefly, because it's just so terrible that it's funny. And again, this is my dark sense of humor, so I'm really sorry if this offends anyone. Uh, David Ernest Duke is a prominent American racist, white supremacist, white nationalist politician, white separatist, anti-Semitic conspiracy theorist, Holocaust denier, convicted felon, and former Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. Wait, what is that on? Wikipedia. If you just Google him, that's the first thing that you see. I mean, that is a bio. Yeah, and he was just running in Louisiana. That's the crazy thing about this film. While I was in New Orleans, he was running for office in Louisiana. Yes, he was a member of the Louisiana House of Representatives from 1989 to 1992. Yeah, like he was trying to get back into politics, and he was relevant when this film was talking about it. It's just like, whoa, like the same racists are still around, just trying to still peddle the same ideology. Because I guess, like, in their hero journey, they're like, wow, we're finally going to get through. Like, this is going to be the year. Mm. We've been working at this for so long, and now we finally got our guy in the White House. My bones ache. Uh, I'm tired. So, <laughs> speaking of the performances, <laughs> I just want to say that uh, Ashley Atkinson, who played the the um, the that the wife who has that insane monologue and oh also when she when uh when ron, not not what's his name ron yeah when ron tackles her in the street and he's like i'm a cop and the other cops come and attack him and she's just screaming and calling him the n-word and saying he attacked her and he tried to rape her she's so good she's such a she's like one of the best villains of the year i think and then uh adam driver is so great in this. I think we talked about in a previous podcast He's how many great ma- in literally everything. Yeah, like how many, you know, just massively talented and successful directors he's managed to work with in the past five years is insane. And uh so <clears throat> even that I know that you didn't like the, that they made up the whole Jewish thing, but I thought the best probably the best moment in the film for me and how I mean Adam got nominated at the Oscars for best supporting actor I think he literally earned that nomination oh yeah no he was great I don't I don't like fault actors for bad writing yeah to a certain extent well I think he he totally earned the nomination with that one line when he's talking about Judaism and how he he's like yeah he's Jewish but he's not he's not super Jewish or whatever which I feel like is something a lot of people say like about any religion they'll be like oh yeah like I'm Christian but I don't go to church or like yeah I'm Jewish but I'm not like you know the most Jew I don't celebrate blah blah or whatever and he says like regarding his religion he said he says I never used to think about it now I think about it all the time that to me is so I mean oh my god is that a loaded line especially regarding everything that's going on in the film at that time and his delivery of it is just perfect and very searing so good well even now like there's a dude who is like the class president of the town over for me on the new york side uh that high school who like wrote hail hitler on a jewish cemetery like my 
like temple cemetery <laughs> and it's just like oh yeah like i used to joke about shit because i was like oh this isn't a real thing and now it's like coming back to the surface is like being a real thing and you have people marching in the streets like that's what the charlottesville thing was all about and like mm -hmm. why this film is so important because like a lot of it just feels dated in some ways but it's like nah this is still literally going on right now mm -hmm. like a lot of police departments are literally like used by the KKK to help carry out their missions and like get black people out of their communities, get people that they don't sympathize with out of their communities. Yeah, it's it's obviously scary how timely the whole thing is. And it's funny because another thing with Green Book is and I, I already addressed this on our Green Book episode, but how a lot of people, I, I hear so much criticism about the movie and a lot of it's valid and, and some of it I don't think is valid. And it's funny, uh, a lot of people make fun of the Viggo Mortensen performance and that, that character and they say it's such a caricature. And as I said on our episode, it is not a caricature. It's one of the most authentic, accurate portrayals of that type of Italian guy I've ever seen in my life. And it made me, because people are so convinced it's a caricature. Like people, I've seen people rip that, like the like the writing is so ridiculous and cheesy and like, oh, I'm going to fold a pizza in half. Ha ha ha. I'm like, no, that's <laughs> pretty I always, much. <laughs> I always feel weird about the caricature critique. Because that, like, to a certain extent, like people who live in the middle of nowhere, like are caricatures sometimes, you know? Yeah. And like people who live in insulated communities are like caricatures sometimes and like i don't know like yeah like i feel like sometimes you do meet people who are like these caricatures mm -hmm. i'm telling you that that role uh, of tony lip down to the exact details to the point where i was blown away by how accurate the writing was i'm telling you it's not a caricature and i don't expect everyone to get it because it's it's obviously like a regional thing it's a cultural thing but the reason why i'm bringing it up is because it made me think of the inverse it made me think of well what is something that i see and i think oh that's a caricature maybe i'm wrong because i just haven't met that kind of person before and I obviously have met a lot of racists and I know that racism is very alive and well still. I mean, I think our country has come, you know, so, so, so incredibly far, even since, you know, the 60s and 70s. It, it's it's amazing that the, the uh, strides that our country has made and that's wonderful. And I, but I still acknowledge that, you know, racism is, is still very alive and well. But I think some of the characters in this movie you could see as caricatures, especially the guy from the guy that was in Itania, who's um. also in this movie. And he's just like, he's such a, you know, he's like the ultimate, like he's like this messy, gross, schlubby racist who just, you know, with that accent, who will say like the, just the dumbest thing about someone being the N word or whatever, like just no value to what he's saying. Just uh, I disagree with you that on that, I have seen so many racist people who well, are like actually caricatures who are like that. That's what I'm saying is, see, that's what you're saying is that you've met that person. Like I've met people similar to that, but I could, I could see how someone would say that that's a caricature. And I think the sad fact is that it is not. Oh yeah. Right. Like, and, and even, um, I mean, basically all of those guys in the clan, you're just like, this is so insane. Like, how could this be real? But it, it, I mean, not only was it, but it is, as we saw in Charlottesville, yeah. you know, and that, uh, 
I, I saw that Viceland documentary about the guys in Charlottesville and there was that uh, woman. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I think she might have been Muslim, but she was a woman that was like traveling around with the uh, with some of these white nationalists and they were very nice to her. Like they, <laughs> they, yeah. they like they, you know, singled her out as like, oh, you're OK. But like a lot of the people, other pe- a lot of the other people are not. And it's so weird that these people are like, you know, again, it's like the complexities of being a human being. It's like these people yeah. can be nice. You know, they're not just complete monsters. That's what that's what makes them human. Right. It's like they have everybody has different sides. And I I just thought, I don't know, I could have I could have dealt with more nuance in those characters. But I'm not yeah, I'm not going to say they're characters because I'm sure that they exist. Yeah, I have definitely known some. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right way to word it because the first thing that comes to mind is like comically racist people mm-hmm. because I feel like that's kind of what they're trying to portray is like this disgusting nature of racism <laughs> and like what you really are if you are like spouting these beliefs. But like I have known a lot of very vulgar racists. Like, I had a boss who was very racist in New Orleans. Yeah. Who, like, would just say shit, and then we would not, like, laugh at it, and he would be like, why, why, why aren't y'all being more racist? And we were just like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he literally would say, why aren't you racist? Yeah, no, he was literally talking about how he saw some dude with a turban in a car, and he was like, he's gonna blow up the whole highway. And we were just like, all right. And then oh, he was just like, y'all aren't racist enough. And we were like, uh, all right. Yeah, I have family members that are just very blatantly racist. I have, I have some that, uh, I I have one family member who literally said the N word in a mocking way at dinner, and I was not okay with it, and I got really upset and called this person out, and 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 I stopped. We let it was like a holiday. We left early. Like I was just not, just not not gonna stand for it because my younger um, cousins were there, and I just didn't. I didn't want them to grow up thinking yeah. like that that could be said at the dinner table and everyone, even though people have a problem with it, that everyone will just say, okay, let's not start a fight. Let's move on. If they hadn't been there, I probably would have just been like, let me not even make a big deal. But when there's someone younger who's growing up with that, I just like yeah. couldn't do that. So I like had to call it out. I said like, you're better than this. Like you're not the person I know right now and I'm not staying here. And, and we left and then I didn't talk to this family member for a long time. And like a month later they said to me, I can't believe that you like, I've never been more hurt before. Like, how could you call me a racist? And I was like, well, (laughs) you said, you know, the (laughs) you said you made a racist comment. I mean, I think like the, if you, if you uh, are openly racist and you say the N word, that's one thing. But if you say the N word and then you're like, I'm not racist. I'm just like, (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm just saying a word. Like when someone really is going to act like that, that pisses me off. But then I also have family members that are just like, yeah, I'm racist. Like they're just like, they're like your boss. You know, they're just like, I have another family member who is, thinks that literally all Muslims are evil because of nine 11. And he's just very open. He's just like, yeah, like I, he's like, I, I think that they're all after us. And I'm like, but they're not like just factually, like there, there are so many of them that if they were after us, like we would all be dead. Like, <laughs> like there's, you know, what is it? Like 1 billion people are Muslim or something like that. Yeah, there's a lot. I might be wrong. I don't know about that. I, I don't know the exact number, but yeah, I mean, so 
that's always an interesting thing to me is people that are in denial about being racist versus people that are just like I prefer the people that own it because at least then you're like okay you're self-aware you understand like you're at least upfront about it whereas people that are delusional about it I'm just like I don't know I, I don't know I, which is worse I guess it I don't know yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter it's, they're both bad racist, then it's just like oh now I'm hanging out with this person knowing that they're racist <laughs> Yeah. Ugh. Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break. All right. Stay tuned for these words. Peace. Welcome back. From capitalism. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we were discussing the performances. Yeah, or we could go into spoilers if we want. Well, I just want to quickly say that um, the John David Washington speech is so fucking good. And that the cinematography in that scene was probably my favorite when people were watching him from the audience and it was just like pitch black behind them and they were the people were like arranged on the screen differently like it didn't look natural you know what i mean i thought that was so cool and i i enjoy the editing in this movie too the editing Mm -hmm. yeah i thought the editing was good and it was well shot and it was a very like complete story that was like very a to b Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't very hard to follow. No, not at all. So okay, I guess we can get into spoilers. <laughs> spoilers, 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 spoilers. If you have not seen Black Klansman, please turn off the podcast and go watch it. We don't want to ruin it for you. Yes. All right. So, spoilers. Uh, what about what did you think of the epilogue? Uh, I don't even know if that is a spoiler at this point because I feel like it's been talked about a lot. But well, I just saw this movie not too long ago, like a week did ago. Did that surprise you? I didn't know it was coming. I mean, I'm, I'm oh, not wow. going to say that I was surprised because it, it goes with the film. But I, I didn't know that it was coming, no. Yeah, I think... I guess I am at a weird place because I'm young. And, like, Spike Lee has been through a lot of significant points in history. Mm-hmm. But, like, it felt like a weird way to date the film. Like, I thought it was cool, and, mm-hmm. like, it definitely says what he wanted the message to be about the film, and so many of his films have been misrepresented by people who don't get them, so I feel like that's why he's getting a lot of acclaim this year, and why he's probably like, yeah, of course you guys fucking like this film, yeah, because, like, I feel like he served a lot of it on a platter more so than he has in other films, and left it less up to your interpretation of the matter. Oh, yeah. No, no. This this was not an ambiguous ending. Yeah. This was, hey, guess what's still going on? Yeah. Like, someone died this... Someone died recently because of this. This I'm, is not in the past. I'm Spike Lee, and I'm going to say not all cops are bad. I'm going to say this black cop and this Jewish cop are good cops. And if you act like them, then you are good cops. And if you do not act like them, then you are bad cops. And if you are a bad cop, you perpetuate the KKK. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) Sorry, I was just laying it down. Spike always likes things to be explained. No, it's all good. Very nicely. Mm -hmm. He came and talked at Tulane, and somebody, like, asked him. (laughs) He was like, Spike, you're coming up here and you're talking about, like, how how you made your first film and stuff like that, but we we want to hear about your struggles, and like Spike was just like, if you want to hear about my struggles, you could read my th- books, my autobiography and my biography, <laughs> and he just like shot down the dude. 
Yeah, he seems like that type of guy. Like, no bullshit. Yeah. But I love when they cut to him at award shows, and he's just stone-faced. Yeah. <laughs> well, he should uh, he should smile a little bit more, because he won the Palme d'Or with this movie, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think what are other things... Besides the Heather Heyer thing that would that we wouldn't have been able to talk about before, I guess the the bomb, the car bomb thing is that. How do you like that ending? I didn't really like the ending. I I I thought the movie kind of lost steam for me. I thought I thought things kind of unraveled too quickly. I guess. Like overall, I I enjoyed the film. Yeah. And I think it's a good movie. And like I said, I really enjoyed the performances. And, and and I think the tension was good. I don't think the tension was as great as it possibly could have been. Like I said, when, when uh, the, the part where Adam Driver kind of comes to term with his, like, Judaism and saying, I never used to think about it, but now I think about it all the time. Moments like that, for me, were really powerful. The moments with the Black Student Union, I thought, were really powerful. I thought... Um, Although, it, yeah... That's one of the historical things that, like, bums me out about it. The Union? Yeah, because, like, he did, he was, like, so much worse and more destructive to the Union in real life. Well, I don't know. Like I said, I can just appreciate this as, like, a story. Yeah. I really liked um, Laura Harrier, who played the girl that he's involved with. I thought she was really, like, she has a lot of good on-screen presence. I enjoyed her. And uh, like I'm kind of just like mild about this movie. Like the people that are What's saying, "What's the lesson? Be a narc long enough to change things." <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the lesson is don't be afraid to color outside the lines and take risks in order to change things. You know, like you have to stand up for what is right in any way that you possibly can, especially because things like this are still going on. Yeah. And uh, again, like I said, uh, like people right now are really hysterical about things for good reason. And people, you know, uh, I, again, regarding green book, like people keep saying, Oh, this movie just, it, it just skirts around these issues. It doesn't go too deep into them, you know? And, it feels like unless a film is literally 12 years a slave where they're showing the most brutal, you know, uh, you know, horrors of, of racism, then it's not it. Then it's skirting around the issue. And it's like it saying that and, and saying saying that our country's more divided than ever. I'm like, our country's not more divided than ever. There was literally a civil war. OK, <laughs> so it's not more divided than ever. And saying that it is. It is is detrimental to sorry. It's detrimental to the 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 amazing strides that the country has made. Like yes, it's still there are still a ton of racist people, and it's and it's terrible the way that the country is divided. But people cannot discount how far we've come. I think there's just like this mentality though of everybody personalizing their own life. That, like, you could kind of see it more, like, out in the open and you could know that people feel this way in your backyard or across the country more so than you ever could have known, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, people only knew their neighborhood back in the Civil War, you know, that was largely fought on, like, what was happening on the greater 
like scheme of things but now i feel like everything's kind of out in the open because we have the internet and people are very like into themselves and then by that proxy they end up causing more conflicts because they don't talk to enough people and talk to enough different people well people like yeah people are still in their echo chambers it's like you know even it's like if you follow all liberals if you're liberal and you follow all liberals on twitter then you're gonna be like there's no kkk <laughs> like like there's you know what i mean because you're seeing one side of everything so yeah. i don't know i don't know what my my point was i forgot what i was saying but <laughs> yeah because liberals would say that there is the kkk still now i feel like it would be more well, Republicans yeah, I mean, who would deny it and be like, "No, like, see, racism is over. Like, everything's good. Can we stop talking about it?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it's still there. the The KKK is obviously still there. Like we saw at the end of the movie, and we saw the whole Charlottesville thing. It's such a it's such a tiny percentage of people, though. Like it's it's so much less than it was around the time of the, this movie. But if it's any, then like that's an issue but it's I like still causing think, terror right even if there's two people it's still an issue but I think that I think I, I think that people need to acknowledge how far like the country's come because when you think of the span of history like this is this is not that long ago that this was happening this was not that long ago that people were literally slaves you know what I mean and and when you think of the the span of the entire history of the country it's like oh things have actually gotten a lot better in the past hundred years in the past 50 years even in the past 20 years when it comes to like trans rights or just lgbt in general it's like we are improving we are getting there it's like people feel i like obviously donald trump this whole thing is like a, a huge step back in many many ways of course but i feel like there also needs to be an acknowledgement of how far we've come because we have come really far yeah, I uh, yeah, I I agree but disagree. To, it doesn't help to ignore that. Like, yes, things are still really bad, but they're not as bad as people literally being kept as slaves, right? Yeah, but so like, like, and that but, wasn't that but, long ago. But we ago. can't compare that as like and use that as a reason to keep people in shitty situations by saying, "Oh, but it's so much better than it used to be." Like, we're still not giving you wages that are enough to live off of and not providing you adequate health care or blah, blah, blah. It's like we should just want everybody to have good ways of life and not stop until everybody has equality. And oh, definitely. And like I'm not saying it. Social standing. I'm not saying anyone should stop. People, people need to be. Uh, that's one thing I actually think that's great about the president being who he is, is that people are people are angry and people are acting, which is great because there needs to be more activism in general. There needs to be more people that stand up for other people, even if it's just even if it's just on a person to person level and has nothing to do with changing the entire freaking world. It's like you have to do what you can in your your own bubble or your own little community, you know? Yeah, for sure. But I just, I don't know. I think, I think what my point is that there's so much hysteria. And if people just look at the, the, the strides we've made, instead of saying the country's more, more divided than ever, like every, it like, no, it's, it's just literally not more divided than ever. And by acknowledging that 
you can see how far we've come and you can see, okay, look how far we've come in this amount of time. Imagine how far we can continue to go. Like this, like these are the advancements we've made. And now like we have that knowledge, we can go even further. Yeah. And I think it's just as people get more information and get deceived less (laughs) Mm -hmm. and told wrong information purposely to pursue some kind of, or to help a corporation (laughs) like Mm -hmm. push a narrative or something will just be better. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is there is hope. And I know, I guess obviously I think it's, it's very hard for, you know, the family of Heather Heyer to feel that way because if it was your daughter, son, wife, whatever, who was murdered on that day, that's obviously a whole other level of devastation that I can't even comprehend. But I guess my point is just that there's hope. Like a lot of people are feeling really hopeless right now and like there's no hope. But the the times when things are the most fucked up is when there's real change, like the civil rights movement. You know what I mean? So yeah. So hopefully, hopefully it'll end up being a, a good period in history, you know? And even, even like the immigration stuff, it's like our country lets in more immigrants than any other country. Like it, it should it be more, you can feel that it should be more or, or, or not, but the, there's hope because like our country takes in more, more immigrants than any other country. We take in so many people. Like it's amazing the, the lives that we change. Of course there are so many conflicts and so many issues with it and it needs to be improved. I mean, <laughs> really needs to be improved. But there's hope in the fact that we t- we we already take in so much more than any other country. So, I don't know. I just like to acknowledge the good things or else I'll go totally crazy. Word. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to say about the movie? Not really. I think we said enough. It's kind of an overrated film. Mm, but yeah. I'm glad that Spike is getting some recognition. Totally. I think he's going to win Best Director. Yeah. It would kind of suck, though, if this is just, like, a weird hodgepodge year of, like, people getting rewarded late when they should have been rewarded a long time ago, and then also, like, just crappy movies. Like, I hope we do get some good stuff. Well, well, if what do you think he should have been awarded well, like, the right for? Okay. Yeah. Like, that's just such a transcendent piece of cinema, like, regardless of how well it holds up, like, it just changed filmmaking so much and just put him onto the scene and, like, created a new style and was one of the early, like, black filmmakers that, like, actually made a film that they wanted to see Mm -hmm. and felt was cool and felt was, like, their style. Yeah. I if he doesn't win I think it'll be Quaron. I don't I can't see it being any of the other three. I hope it's Quaron, yeah. No offense, Spike. No, hope I mean yeah, I mean I you. think Roma's a, a much better film than this film, even though I think yeah. I do recommend this film. We always end it with do you recommend this film? And I definitely do. See, oh here here also is something about Roma in regards to uh Black Klansman. I would have just rather been fake like Roma was supposed to, like, fake, you know? Like, Roma was based off of real events that happened to Quaron and, like, his housekeeper when he was growing up. 
but like he decided to make it a work of fiction to a certain extent and the historical aspects he tried to probably keep realistic yeah and but I again feel like you that don't film, know you we have no idea he could have he could have lied <laughs> maybe he, he could have lied but i think I don't know. So is the difference to you the fact that he didn't put at the beginning of Roma, this is based on a true story? Yeah. Okay. okay. You know? Like, mm-hmm. I... It's it just, like, why why couldn't the story have just been a fake story that, like, he adapted from that and just not said based on a true story? Okay, so you're saying, like... Like, I would have been fine with the story just being a magical story. Okay, so you're saying, like, make it a movie about an African-American cop who infiltrates the KKK, but his name is not Ron, and it's not this true story, but it's it's based on it, in slip, like, inspired by it. Yeah. Okay. Because, like, he, he said based on a true story so that people would believe that this actually happened, mm-hmm. that a black cop was able to infiltrate the KKK, which, off the premise, sounds like a Chappelle sketch, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it sounds so hard to believe, and then he makes the story more unbelievable for his own benefit after he said it was based on a true story. You know? Mm-hmm. That's the thing that bugs me about it. Like, he used that to take liberties and make the film, like, more extravagant. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't have both. Like, pick one. Either it is based on a true story and be as accurate as possible to the actual essence of the film and don't try to, like, change it and put it through a huge lens. I don't know. I disagree, but I still hear, like, I hear where you're yeah. coming from for sure. But, yeah, there were a lot of writers on this movie, too. I think there were, like, four or five writers. Like, it was Spike Lee and several other people, which I feel like the more writers on a film, the messier, like, the dangerous, more dangerous your territory is there. Yeah, I feel like that really only works for comedies. Otherwise, you're going to get, like, a muddled vision. But, yeah. I, like, overall, I would say this is a good movie for sure. Spike Lee knows how to make a film, and there are some brilliant moments of the yeah. film that make the whole film worth it. But throughout throughout the movie, I wasn't, like, completely gripped and, you know, super, super into it, especially more toward the end. I thought I think this, the strongest, besides the scene with um, John David Washington... I think that the strongest was like the midpoint of the movie, like the mid set, like the second act. And it kind of lost me more in the third. But like I said, it, it's still really good. Like, it's, yeah, no, it was a fun movie to watch. Like, I can't complain about that at all. Right. It's fun, but it's also really meaningful. And obviously it's gotten us yeah. talking about a lot of serious topics. Yeah. And if I offended anyone with what I said, I'm really sorry. I'm obviously like still learning everything too and trying to figure out day by day how I feel about all this crazy shit going on. But I think it's good that there's a lot of movies coming out that make us think about all this stuff and have these conversations, whether we agree or, or don't agree. It's important to talk about. And I think it's what art should do is compel these kinds of. Especially as white people in our place of privilege to oh, have yeah. black directors I'm make super films. White. Super white. I need to, you know, I need to watch more. Uh, I need to watch more movies that have. These kinds of themes, actually. I, I, I was... Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. I, I remember... Uh, I remember, like, when I used to have... Well, I still I still have it, but I don't post as much. I used to have a, a blog about movies. And when I was, like, much younger, like a teenage... Like, when I was in my teen years, I would write, like, about movies. And it was almost, like, all movies, like, directed by white people, starring white people. Like, you know, maybe there'd be, like, one black person in it or something. And someone 
sent me a message and they were like hey like you only write about white people or whatever and I was like yeah I know and I kind of blamed it on like well I would write about more movies with black people if there were more movies about black people and I think I just didn't seek them out as much because that's not my experience and I think we naturally always like gravitate toward our own experience but I probably should have you know sought those movies out more and I think I definitely do that now like I care more about not that I did, but I feel like when you're a teenager, sometimes you're like in your own world. Like now I care more. Also, it's marketing. Like you're being marketed to as a white woman. Right, exactly. When you're being marketed to, like the things that you watch are being sent to you like that. Like I'm being marketed to as a white dude. So, like, I feel like this year, even, like I've had to search to find films directed by female directors. You know, mm-hmm. and I've had to make like a conscious effort to go watch films made by female directors because they're not marketed to me and they're yeah. not being made enough. Like only 4% of films had female directors. And it's awesome that you're actually taking the initiative to do that. Like I said, I definitely have taken initiative more lately to see movies that are directed by people of color and, you know, have predominantly, you know, casts of people of color because... It's something that you, I mean, it's it's getting better now, obviously, like, especially in the last few years with the Oscar So White thing and, like, the success of Moonlight and, uh, you know, films like that that have just been so groundbreaking and monumental. But you still have to seek out those films more and more because we need a full, full representation of humanity in our movies, not just, you know. It's like even looking at this year, though, like we had like great race films made by black directors and then we have green book controlling a lot of the conversation now but people are angry about it well yeah people are angry about it but it's getting like the awards recognition the stuff that goes down in history you know like people will look back and say it was nominated for this it was nominated for that like it must have been a good film like that's the only thing that people look back on like people will look back and say brian singer directed Bohemian Rhapsody regardless of what we want to do with that but that's how the legacy goes down now that he's been officially nominated uh, I don't agree I think his legacy is ruined I don't think people are going to look back and say oh well Brian Singer directed I think they're going to look back and say fuck Brian Singer like I think I think he's ruined like he's ruined for sure like do you think people are going to look back at Woody Allen poorly now now they are yeah it took a long time but now they are or are yeah. people just gonna wait until he dies and then like 20 years after he dies they're gonna it's gonna go back into the canon like Annie Hall and all that shit is just going to be like yeah it's still great and yeah well I he, well here's the thing I'll probably get people mad at me I, I still love Woody Allen movies a lot I, of people I say movies do. not him as a human being but his movies uh, yeah I mean I think he's one of the most talented director writers uh, in history and actually actors too I think he's a great actor but I, I think he's he's ruined too as well because his new film that was supposed to come out in 20, 2018 I think it's called A Rainy Day in New York with Timothy Chalamet uh, Selena Gomez many other people as always he always has these incredible all-star casts uh, it didn't come out it was supposed to come out this year and it was probably the first year in a really long time that he didn't have a movie out because he's one of the most consistent you know releasing yeah. stuff all the time and I mean I, I hate to man I really want to see the movie you know I don't want to support him any longer but I do love his movies so maybe I'm uh, maybe I need to get over that but 
More my point that I was going to make about it, not to get us on a Woody Allen tangent. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's okay. <laughs> I was going to say also there was like, but then there was uh, Boy Erased and then The Miseducation of Cameron Post. The Miseducation of Cameron Post was directed by, uh, I'm pretty sure, at least a woman of color, uh, or at least a queer woman. I think she's a woman of color. And then there was the one that was directed by Joel Edgerton. Which it's was like, the most why did we need film. both of those? Yeah. Yeah. And then that got more acclaim and like had was on more people's radars and was trying to get Oscar nominations and stuff like that, even though it didn't. I just feel like Hollywood I guess like everybody's making different films and it's just like we see what comes out like it comes out randomly and the timing ends up being weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that I think it's all timing with with Brian Singer because he people knew, because okay he he was accused of things of of uh, I think rape I think he was accused of, of rape if not definitely sexual assault before Bohemian Rhapsody like years before Bohemian Rhapsody and he was fired during the movie but not because of the allegations right because more allegations came out during the movie yeah. filming but he wasn't fired because of that so you could say like oh well they fired him like what are they supposed to do they fired him like they already showed that they don't stand by him well it's like but you didn't fire him for the you know big reason that he should have been fired you fired him because he was arguing with Rami Malek which I guess is a valid reason also to fire someone but like I don't know See yeah. the, the way I feel it's about not a all good this. Look. Bohemian Rhapsody is just one hundred percent not a good look. <laughs> There's so many issues Hollywood. there. <laughs> There's so many issues there. But yeah, I mean, I think my thing always, especially because I'm an actor, I feel like you can't. Okay, every single person who worked on Bohemian Rhapsody, yes, you could argue they should have done their research before signing on to the film. Okay, and they should have said, okay, I'm not going to work with this person because. He raped someone. And there's different levels of being able to say yes or no to a project, like depending on where you are in your career. Exactly. (laughs) But I personally do not feel that the entire cast and crew of the movie should have their work discounted because of one person. So I feel that way about every Woody Allen movie as well, which I know people will come out and say, well, Emma Stone didn't have to work with him. She was already a giant star. Why would you do that? You know, and I I totally get that. I get that. But especially if you're talking about Annie Hall or something it's like this is you know year I mean I assume I assume that he didn't have many victims because no one accused him of this before uh before his his daughter did so um you know back then no one knew any I mean no one knew anything so it's like I feel like you could still watch those movies and be okay because people knew but they just didn't care well no because this supposedly I mean I'm I'm operating on the fact that well, not a fact. I'm operating on the assumption that he only molested one child, which would be Dylan, his daughter, which happened in the 90s. So I'm saying if uh, we're talking about yeah. a movie made in the 70s, then apparently he didn't molest anyone yet. Unless there's someone who has not come forward. But I think, I don't know, I shouldn't say that. Maybe there are other people, and if there are, I'm terribly sorry. There are signs, though, that he fetishized youth. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, Manhattan is a big, big red flag. And I, I used to love that movie, but I that's one that I won't really watch anymore because of the relationship uh, between him and the 17-year-old girl, which always always creeped me out because I, I remember I got super into Woody Allen's movies when I was like a teen, when I was probably like 15, 16, 17, and I was like, whoa, like I wouldn't date him. Like, I, like she was like 17, and he was like 40-something in that movie, and I was like, yeah. I wouldn't, that's weird. Like... But 
something like Annie Hall, I feel like I could still, you know, and, you know, I love um, Crimes and Misdemeanors is my other favorite Woody Allen movie. And like that, though, those movies of him that of his that don't have those themes, like I can watch without any problem at all. But yeah, like I could watch the Louis C.K. stand up that's not about him masturbating. And <sighs> yeah. Being a pervert. <laughs> yeah, I think in general I'm I'm okay. I mean, I don't know. I'll probably like I haven't watched a Kevin Spacey movie since everything came out about him, but I I definitely will still watch American Beauty because I fucking love that movie. And I'll I'll I mean but that is literally a film about him being a, a perv, wanting to fuck a teenager. He, yeah, uh, yeah. When he fucked teenagers in real life. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I just think that movie's so. I don't know. Like I. I definitely will have people like saying I'm awful for that, but I I will still watch movies. I can separate it, I guess, because I don't feel like I'm supporting them if it's a movie that came out however many years ago. Like, what are they yeah. getting one dollar because I bought, or no, not even. But like, you know, if I if I rent a movie on iTunes for three ninety nine, I don't think this is really like you know helping Kevin Spacey out with his mortgage. But <laughs> I don't know. It's such a complicated. It's such a complicated issue, but I think with Brian Singer, it's like, it's just really shameful that they hired him to direct the movie. It is. You can't, you can't deny that. It sucks, though. Yeah. Well, I guess that wraps us up <laughs> this episode of Movie Cinema Film. Not to end on a downer. So. Spike Lee apparently hasn't molested anyone, so we're good for Black Klansmen. Yeah, Spike Lee is pretty good on that regard. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say... At least from what we know. I'd say, you know, I'd give him a 10 out of 10 in not assaulting people, so that's great. Yeah. Thank you, Spike. And for any anyone out there, try not to hurt anybody else. We'd appreciate it. Just be better. Yeah, try. Okay. <laughs> uh, Do we know what we're going to watch next? Anything? No, I don't know. We'll uh, see. Should we just pick a film right now while we're sitting here and people are waiting patiently on the line? Something that you just talked about. Would you, were you talking about Cold War, perhaps? I or? would love to do it. Well, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. But uh, I, I'm well, I feel like we have to do it. If we both watch Cold War, then we have to do an episode. I'm sensing I'll enjoy this film, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think that we're going to have an episode coming up soon where we do our top films of the year. We're going to release that one right before the Oscars so you all can get ready for the big night. Yes. And then we will also probably do an Oscar predictions mm-hmm. episode. Send us your predictions at moviecinemafilmpodcast at gmail.com or your, your questions, comments, concerns. You can yell at me for all my opinions that I've... I will also give you my Venmo link for the $30 fee to get into the betting pool <laughs> yeah venmo us we yes. we honestly we we uh you know we don't drive teslas i'll just say that also sundance episode coming yes. out soon if it hasn't already come out yes it might have already come out because it was a bonus <laughs> who knows hope you guys enjoyed that we also have a filmmaker that we're going to interview at some point if there are right. any more filmmakers that want to be interviewed it's gonna be our first interview so stay tuned and we thank you Besides so Brendan much Brendan o'brien well, was Who that really? That was kind of like a joint interview because I was kind of interviewing both of you. Yeah, true. Um, also, Brendan O'Brien said that Black Klansman was overrated. He wanted me to make sure that was heard. Yeah, he didn't enjoy that movie. I don't think. No. But I don't want to speak for him. But yeah, maybe we'll at some point we'll interview Heather uh, because <laughs> 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 we we love Heather. So uh, anyway, have a great day, night, wherever you are in the world, whatever time it is, and 
we will see you next time. Love yourself. Love everyone around you. Yes, just be nice to everyone. Just as a general rule, just be kind to everyone because we really can't. I can't deal with this world anymore. Just be nice. Except Nazis. Yeah, you don't have... I mean, well, no. You could even argue be nice to everyone, right? Forgive. Be nice enough to them that they don't have a reason to kill you. All right. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. This has been a Rhino Comedy production. Find us on Instagram at rhinos underscore r underscore funny rhinocomedy.com Rhino Comedy on Facebook and live comedy every Friday and Saturday night at 96 Lafayette Ave in Suffern, New York.